everyone. Welcome to episode 80 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. And I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me as always is Benno. And Benno, how are you this month, mate? Have you uh, recovered from that big AEW show on Sunday? I know you were uh, down in London watching that in uh, some kind of pub or bar, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I went to the uh, the Hookfront events um, live show on uh, on Sunday. Uh, Steph Chase, friend of uh, approach wrestling, had uh, had um, the duty of uh, presenting that thing on uh, on Sunday, so I was down. It was great to be honest. It was the first kind of live experience I've had watching an AEW show with with other fans. Uh, obviously, with the pandemic and hooked on events. And Paul Benson, obviously, they run no relation. Um, run a lot of um, <laughs> those types of events for for WWE and such. I think they said, said they've done one for for AEW before, but it was definitely experience being a uh, being live in a uh, there with a loads of British fans watching AEW preview. Gave a bit of a there's a couple of videos out there of us uh, reacting to uh, <laughs> the mm. end of the uh, the Lucha Brothers Young Bus match and going crazy. One uh, Anthony Agogo turned up as a as surprise guest there and it was a really lovely uh, chatty bloke um, I, I came second in the quiz um, yeah it was all in all it was a it was a good night but yeah just that made me uh, wish for a, a UK AEW show at some point oh yeah I think we're all wishing for that aren't we yeah but I did see those videos you're on about and it looked like an absolutely cracking night yeah it looked like a, a fantastic um, outing to, to watch some wrestling and um, also joining us this month back again, uh, it's the most well-travelled fan in Euro wrestling. It's uh, the, Mr. Andy Ogden. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us again this month. My pleasure, Martin. It was good to see you at the weekend. In oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Had a cracking time at that Red Pro show. I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit. Um, did you uh, watch AEW on Sunday then, Andy? Um, I didn't watch it uh, live. I watched it the next day at um, 8 a.m. in the morning. Um a more reasonable time for me. Um, <laughs> for uh, dinner time was a cracking show. I was shit. I went totally unspoiled, which was uh, just great. When like Minoru Suzuki come out and obviously Lucha Bros winning and all the surprises at the end. It absolute fantastic show. And even even uh, Dynamite this week was uh, it's an easy watch. AEW. Just time goes quickly, and that's what I want as a wrestling fan. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. I um, I'd ordered the 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 show, and then I was going to watch it on Monday night, and then I, I woke up and for work, and I checked my phone, and I realised the main event was so going on. So I I, I knocked <laughs> it on while I was having a brew, and then uh, so yeah, I got to see you know the return of Daniel Bryan and you know Adam Cole and everything. So yeah, that was a uh, that was absolutely cracking way to uh, kickstart a, a Monday morning. You know, I was buzzing all day after that. I was, uh, I had that uh, Daniel, you know, ride of the Valkyries uh, in my head all day. So yeah, it was um, a cracking way to uh, kick off Monday morning. But um, I've uh, been teasing it all week. But we've got um, two big announcements to get into before we get into the the main bulk of the show and to and to kick off. Um, Obviously, listeners all know Andy's, you know, been a very welcome guest on the show for a number of times this year. And we always have a great time with him on. He's always got great stories and analysis and, and stuff. And um, I don't think there's many people who go to as many uh, UK wrestling shows as Andy and, you know, obviously got such an incredible knowledge of the scene. So uh, from this episode going forward, he's going to be joining us on a, on a permanent basis as the third man on BWE, Benno. Yeah, made up to uh, to have Andy with us, and I don't think there's anybody better qualified, to be honest, as far as like keeping an an eye on the the length and breadth of the Brit Rare scene, getting out to, to all of those shows, and just generally, you know, I think over the last uh, couple of years, I think 
Graps and Claps has been the uh, the go-to as far as knowing what the uh, the live Brit Res experience is. And I think Andy has uh, become one of the uh, the lead voices in Brit Res. So does the does nothing but uh, but benefit this show to have him on. I'm absolutely made up uh, to have a yeah say Andy's a friend and also a, a co-host now on this show. Yeah, yeah, great to have you on board, Andy. Yeah, thanks for. Uh, I know obviously you are busy with graps and claps and stuff, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining me and Benno on a regular basis. No, thanks very much, Martin and uh, Benno. It's like a six month probation at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm I'm very pleased. I hope the contract's in the post so I can sign it. Uh, yeah mate it's uh, it's definitely in the post yeah with your uh, signing fee and everything um honest but uh, <laughs> and uh that's not the only announcement we've got this month um the next announcement is uh following on from the uh euro transfer window draft show that we did last year we're going to be doing a another one except this time around it's going to be the whole world of wrestling not just Europe. we're going to be able to pick from um a, a whole host of uh, wrestlers from all over the world and um this time around, it's going to be me, Benno, Waiting, Andrew Thompson, Kate from Montreal, and the welcome return for one night only of our old co-host on the show and friend, Jamesy. So, Benno, Jamesy is back and a great lineup of guests for uh, for our next transfer window. I feel like we're trying to put uh, Tony Khan and AW to shame here. They brought in Brian <laughs> Anderson and CM Punk. We brought in Andy Ogden and Jamesy's back <laughs> for one night only, as you said. But no, I think the... Uh, the Euro transfer window was one of our uh, our most well received episodes we ever did. So yeah, to uh, to get involved and uh, and do it again, but this time yeah, with a more of a, a worldwide um, kind mm. of idea. I've seen seen the pitch. I've seen uh, some of the uh, the documents that uh, that James you've been working on putting together for it as well. And we're in for a treat once again, and yeah, it should be a a, a cracking time with that lineup too. And, and hopefully, with it being the world this time, we won't have any surprises like uh, Kane from Spain and the like. There'll be none. Uh, there'll be none of that this time. Around. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, be yeah, left on the table this time. Yeah, that was that was the one. That was the moment that everyone remembers from that. Show. <laughs> Bloody Kane. Uh, who knew he's from Spain? Exactly. Uh, yeah, but obviously more details on that to come soon. But James, he has come up with a hell of a concept for that one. And it's going to be great having him back. Uh, that show is going to be on the feed on the thirtieth of September, but. Andy, sadly, you won't be joining us for that one this time around. You've got to re- reschedule the recording, but you've got a, a double shot at Tidal. Is that is that in Leeds on, on the day we're doing it? Yeah, it's at the uh, Leeds Museum. Uh, first time for Tidal at that venue. Probably one of no the days old- off for Andy. Professionally, no. mate. You may make a ju- go into the <laughs> we're doing the super draft thing, and Andy Andy's going to Britrest. That's why you're the third host, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got I've got I've got to sample this venue of a. Uh, Leeds Museum because titles run everywhere in Leeds and mm. uh, yeah hopefully this Leeds Museum will uh, make their permanent home but it's no nah, it's it's cracking card on paper uh, Will Cruz and Luke Jacobs in the uh, second shows the one I'm really looking forward to two big young lads just smashing the shit out of each other. Well, you know, what more could you ask for? Yeah, that sounds like a, a cracking headliner. Yeah, yeah, it's like you say, it's funny. There's so many venues in Leeds and it does feel like Tidal have run run them all at least once. Well, outside of the arena, of course. But yeah, it just does seem like, um, you know, they are cursed to find a permanent home. So hopefully, you know, this new venue they have will, will become a, a permanent fixture for them. But um, yeah, that's it for the uh, sort of like big announcements. And we'll get into the sort of like main bulk of the show itself because... Um, we had a, a big rematch this past month between uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov from uh, NXT TakeOver 35 on the 22nd of August. And uh, 
This has got a massive 4.75 rating on the Grapple app. Um, you know, we talked about all the stop and start with this match on the last show. Rematch from one of the best matches of 2020. And of course, they absolutely delivered again like they always do. Uh, an absolutely fantastic match. Always brilliant winning these two face off. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a shame it's in the confines of WWE, but I like that slide when I'm watching watching this. I mean, some absolutely insane stuff in this one. Hard hitting, you know, as we'd expect. It was going to be, you know, amazing selling here from Ilya as he just, you know, took devastating move after devastating move from Walter. I mean, Ilya firing up must be one of the best things in wrestling. I mean, I will confess, don't ever go at me too much, but I do find his entrance a bit goofy at times. But when he takes on Walter and the fiery shows and, you know, and he's a can't die attitude, it's just absolutely brilliant. And some great comebacks in this in this match. And then he... Ended up beating Walter's neck into submission before uh, Walter eventually tapped out to the sleeper and won the NXT UK title. Um, Benno, obviously, you know, you um, have been over to WXW and, and the like, so you know the full sort of like history of Walter and, uh, and Dragunov. And then obviously, you know, you were a big fan of the match last year, you know, with no fans, which was, um, you know, a very unique match in itself. Um, what were your thoughts on this one with, uh, you know, with the crowd being there and everything? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because like, you know, Walter, Walter and Elliot seem to make it a, a habit of uh, traveling to these dead brands and bringing them back to life just for a moment in these matches. You know, it's like the uh, the NXT UK <laughs> match. I never expected in a million years to have an NXT UK match at the top of my my match of the years um, from last year. And I did, you know, if it wasn't number one, it was number two, but it probably was number one. And you know, this time out, you know, in the in the backdrop of of NXT, seeming to be shifting to something very different and feeling like of a bit of a dread their brand itself. The bell rings and you forget all about it once those two mm. are out there. Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, the you know, the WXW story is you know it's been done, and you know this is uh, not to uh, not to, not to borrow a line from Andy and Jeff, but you know Jim Smallman recycling Buckland from his progress run, uh, recycling Buckland from the uh, from these two lads WXW run is kind of what he's done here, but it it makes sense doesn't it you know that each other's perfect opponents and they deserve to be seen on that bigger stage i do think doing this rematch in front of fans this time and not that it was many fans i think it's like 300 or something wasn't it in the uh in the nxt dome um but it's still better than you know doing it in front of golf claps again as, as unique as that first match was and that first match definitely had something going for it the fact that it was relatively silent and you could maybe enjoy it in a different way but at the end of the day you know if you're someone like you know us who've seen the wxw stuff who who know how good these two wrestlers are you kind of want to see them do this in front of a bigger audience you kind of want to see the the world you know pay attention to this you kind of want you know i can't help you hear like jim Cornette of all people you know giving so much praise to you know to these two wrestlers and being pretty much in love with Walter and and loving Ilya too um and talking up this match up to like you know Dave you mentioned the grapple rate and I think Dave Meltzer gave this five and a quarter stars so you know that tells you you know the <laughs> the, 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 the difference there as well um but that, that's that's our uncle Dave and his and his breaking of the scale mm. so I, I don't think it's any any bad thing to, to see it on a, on a bigger scale and I don't think you know I think the works is as good as ever um I think they had a they had a you know a hard job to go out there and have you know a match that a lot of people see as better than the first match, the first NXT UK match. I kind of see it as maybe slightly worse, but that's no no like uh, shade. You know, I still gave it four and a half stars. Still think it was probably my match of the year for for the year so far. But what they did here was tell a slightly different story with you know the obviously with the the Ilya victory at the end and 
Walter, who, you know, for, for all his bully work and for being the monster in the match, he, he's so good at being like this desperate giant who's, you know, desperately trying to call on and in the end being, you know, a little bit cowardly, you know, as, as well. You know, once he's got his number, the, you know, he immediately taps out. And I think that's that's part of that story as well. And they kind of, yeah, did things a little bit differently this time. And two absolute world-class performers share your absolute praise of Ilya. I remember those conversations we had when he first came into progress and, you know, UK fans were seeing him for the first time. And it was kind of like, it was this weird guy who does, the, you know, the weird entrance. It looks like he's having a seizure on the way out. And like everyone kind of has that reaction. And then you see him wrestle. And I don't think there's a better underdog babyface or, or a better babyface at selling the type of stiff offense that Walter does. So, yeah, it was another, you know, fantastic performance from both wrestlers. Another fantastic match. And, yeah, it, it, the miracle of it, it took place amongst the, an NXT takeover where it didn't feel like there was there was much life to proceed in. But again, that's what that's what these two men do best. What about you, Andy? I mean, you've seen these two guys wrestle loads, haven't you, around the UK and, and in Germany. What were your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I, I went uh, five stars on it, but I thought, oh, the, wow. I thought the empty arena match was uh, much better. Even mm. though I went, I, you, there's only a certain scale where you can go up to on grapple. And I've, I've, <laughs> Gareth's a stickler. <laughs> but uh, no, I enjoyed the empty arena one more just because it, it, you know, the sound of all the chops from Walter and just all the, you know, the pain Ilya was in. Mm. But one thing I will say about Ilya's run on NXT USA is. It was that moment when he come out at, at first. He made his first appearance on the show. It's like the crowd had the same reaction as they did um, when Worlds Collide, maybe a two year ago. You know where they did the NXT UK versus NXT, and they were like, "Who the fuck's this fella?" You mean uh, you mean the, the shows that used to be in the corner at Access at Royal Rumble? No, no, this was the one at, um, before the the night before for the Royal Rumble where they had like Imperium versus. Oh yeah, I remember that one now. Yeah. Era. I can't think who ill you were against, but uh, yeah, he come out to no reaction there. But as it's built and built on like the build up to this build up to this match, the the crowds in that you know in like the um, performance center building um, got behind him, and obviously he won the title. And then the next week, when he was doing his um, interview, they're all doing the, you know Ilya's little dance when he was coming <laughs> out. Just genuinely getting behind him, which shows how great, great a job Ilya did, and um, just to get you know the US crowd to accept him. But, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, th- this I would say this match overall, it's it was just different to everything that NXT um, generally produces. It, there was none of the hand staring, which is always a, <laughs> a ticket to buy a book because like. Well, we now, I think a week or two later on NXT UK, they had Joe Coffey and uh, Rampage Brown, who were two similar-sized fellas to Ilya and Walter. And the bloody production of that made them do, like, bloody looking into each other's hands and do all the amateur dramatics. Like, we don't want this shit. We want Ilya and Walter, like, beating 10 bells out of each other. Just, I think Walter must tell producers, just let us go out and... Let us do what what we what we do all the time, and it and it works works a treat, and it makes them stand out, doesn't it? As well, can you imagine like an agent going up to Walter backstage and going, "Oh, can you just look at your hands after you've uh, 
after you've chopped earlier or whatever, and he's going to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that shit, mate. So, yeah, and it does make him stand out, doesn't it? From, uh, and certainly everyone was raving after that uh, match. It is interesting, though, to try and compare it to the one last year, because that was such a unique match, like one of a kind match that, you know, you probably wouldn't have seen, you know, in a non-pandemic world. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting to try and compare them. But, yeah, I really enjoyed both of them, certainly. Both fantastic matches. But I do want to ask you two guys, because obviously... Um, Ilya seems to be sticking around in the States at the minute, you know, and appearing on NXT, but assuming he might come back over here at some point, you know, being the champion and all, depending on what happens with NXT UK. But, um, I mean, Benno, where do you think Walter goes from here? I mean, he was this sort of, like, undefeatable boss for so long, and, you know, now he's been defeated. Do you think he's going to be going up to the main roster? I can't see it, no. I mean, there was that... There was that... Copyrights. Um, some somebody found the WWE trademark. What was the name? Von Wagner. And whatever for like twelve hours on Twitter, everyone's like, "Oh no, is that Walter's new name?" And I would say, might actually be a better name than Walter. But we're all used <laughs> to it now, so you know. <laughs> I don't know if Walter's this glorious name that everyone wants to pretend it is. I mean, it, mm. it's a pretty crap name, but hey, it's his name, so you know, we should probably keep it. I can't see it in a million years, to be honest. I think Walter's gonna have a an issue. I think if NXT becomes Vincent Man and Bruce Pritchard's playground as it seems to be you know with the new art attack style logo um and the the focus on youth you know we just talked then about how walter and Ilya were given a lot of leeway for these matches i don't know if that leeway is going to be coming in future um if Vince mcmahon's got a, a closer eye on this nxt product i certainly can't you know we saw you know was it survivor series he came out on the main roster and he was eliminated mm. in you know very quick succession he hasn't got the look that, 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 that they'd like for main roster despite having the size He's probably not going to get away with doing the chops he does. It's always been a weird fit, Walter being a WWE employee, and he's kind of carved his own little corner of the world out, being able to do NXT UK and the the odd NXT um, appearance. But yeah, I I just don't see where he fits, to be honest. If if again main roster NXT or well, the main NXT is going, and you know who knows what's going to happen with NXT UK going forward. I think he's if anything too big for that brand now. Uh, I mean, we all wanted to see Walter in Japan. Don't see that happen anytime soon. There's also the issue of, you know, Walter not wanting to travel and not wanting to, you know, base himself in the United States or, or abroad or or, tra- or even travel for, for long periods of time, to which I kind of say, grow up, come on, mate, you've got it, uh, you're too good to just sit. <laughs> to, to, I know you've got a nice little life in Austria, but I don't know, but professionally, I think maybe you might need to make some, uh, some concessions there if he wants to continue having the career he's having in NXT UK. Isn't going to be there forever. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe Walter's not long for the WWE system if uh, all of the rumored changes were were expecting are coming. Hmm. I, I I I was just thinking then I could easily see Ilya and Walter have another match because we know how NXT and NXT UK like the score two one and it's one. That's all. two. <laughs> so you could well we could we keep saying when our fans like coming back so. Maybe a match for when fans do come back and they uh, and they they do the rubber match there. Um, yeah, it is a, it is a bit hard, obviously, with the direction NXT is going down of more like sporting backgrounds and college backgrounds in different sports. They're probably Walter's got to dig out his German darts uh, champion. Bowler, I imagine he's got the bowler. <laughs> yeah, you could imagine he's good with some arrows. Um, but yeah, no, it's all, all a bit hard. I, I want, I couldn't see him in AEW at, at the moment. Japan, Japan's an option, but mm. and again, like New Japan's on its ass, so 
where else? Nowhere. All Japan. They're not really big enough. It's. I think he's stopping with the Fed, lads. Well, if he can carry on, because he seems to be getting out of WWE exactly what he wants, doesn't he? He comes in as these True. big matches, gets all the praise, goes home for a couple of months, then comes back as another big match, gets all the praise, goes home, and it just seems like he's getting exactly what he wants out of WWE rather than it being the other way around is what's normally the case with these wrestlers, isn't it? So if he, I suppose he's hoping that he can continue that going, but it all depends on what's happening with NXT and NXT UK, whether he, he can carry on sort of like getting the deal that, you know, best suits him. It is going to be really interesting to see what happens to him. But yeah, I can't see him. If he is more interested in staying at home and just doing, you know, like mini tours and that, well, Japan's not going to really let him do that, is it? You know, they're going to want him over there, you know, for quite a substantial amount of time and stuff. So I don't know, perhaps we'll, uh, perhaps we'll just see him back in, uh, in in Red Pro next year. I don't know. Is there any, I don't know, Benno, is there any, has there been any talk about sort of like, or any rumours around sort of like Walter's contract in terms of like how long's left on it and stuff? No, I think, yeah, the, the occasional rumours of like, you know, well, there was talk of NXT UK contracts in general being up because it had been three years since, you know, mm. we, we heard of a lot of signees. Walter's ones, yeah, not one that I, that I know is public. Um, I, I think, I, you know, I, I could definitely, like Andy said there, 2-1. I could definitely see there being another, you know, UK takeover match. It's just what happens after that with him and, mm. yeah, what what interest the is there is in the in the company and keeping them around if, if Triple H and Shawn Michaels aren't in charge anymore. Um but yeah, no 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 nothing uh, nothing out there concrete with him. Maybe you know he maybe he's made enough money and he wants to go off to into the summer with Austria. Maybe he'll continue doing more more office stuff with WXW and want to be based in Europe. I suppose if uh, you know if the, if that scene stop if our scene starts uh, getting going again maybe that'd be enough for him. But yeah he's you're absolutely right he's had the perfect little situation for him. It's just whether that situation is going to be able to carry on. Yeah, exactly. And um, I suppose Ilya and Walter are not the only sort of Euro interests on NXT. Pete Dunn and uh, Ridge Holland, obviously the former rugby player Luke Menzies, um, have sort of formed a partnership. They were originally with O'Neill Orkhan and Danny Birch, but they've uh, subsequently turned on them now to just be a twosome. And um, how do you feel sort of like, uh, me and Benno talked a bit about Pete Dunne in uh, NXT, Andy, but uh, how, do you, how do you feel sort of like this uh, this sort of like mini-faction between uh, Rich Holland and, and Pete Dunne's gone so far? Um, to be honest, I think, <laughs> I, I do think Pete Dunne's spinning his wheels mm. really at the moment. It, it did look good as a, a faction, you know, when Pat McAfee was with him, but Obviously, he had the in- injuries with Danny Birch and Ridge Holland had his injuries, so that put you know a halt to it for a few months. And then he did his single stuff. I don't know. I did, it does look like they may be having a tag team title run. You know, if it probably face MSK at some some time, they were looking at each other like we'll have a match soon. Yeah, it's yeah, it all feels a bit stale, but. Mm. Half the roster in NXT feels stale at the moment, and you just yeah. you can't you just can't see them going like up to the up to the main roster. You don't you just don't see how they fit apart from maybe maybe for like Pete Dunne and say a Johnny Gargano smack downs the place. Raw's just like you just don't want to go there. Yeah, Pete yeah. Pete Dunne's an interesting one because obviously there was all that rumor you know last month around the same time. As Adam Cole, Pete Dunne's contract <clears throat> was rumoured to be coming up. So, you know, what's going to happen there? Is he going to continue working without a contract? Is he going to re-sign with WWE? Is he going to, you know, Pete Dunne, someone who 
clearly, you know, he's got the, the, the pedigree to go literally anywhere he wants. I would have a month ago said, ah, he's, you know, similar to Adam Cole. He's got a lot of loyalty to, to Triple H. He's got, you know, he's probably not going to want to upset things too much. They've they've looked after him. They've allowed him to, you know, be a dad as well as, you know, be back and forth in the US to the UK. But again, if Triple H is out of power, you know, does Vince McMahon really like a wrestler like Pete Dunne? Does he, does he not like Adam Cole? You know, tick all the, the wrong boxes that Vince doesn't like. Indie pedigree, short wrestler, not a good promo. You know, <laughs> like if I'm Pete Dunne, maybe, maybe I'd be, you know, eye in the outside. Um, but it's definitely interesting. We've not heard anything on that contract um, since those rumors came out about a month ago. Perhaps uh, Vince will be like, "Oh, do you want to be, um, do you want to be Keith Lee's manager?" <laughs> <laughs> Which is allegedly uh, what happened back. with Adam Cole. That was a big pitch to keep him oh. in WWE. <laughs> Honest to God, yeah. And the people out there who don't believe that, it's like you know, you tried to do that with Roddy Piper thirty-five years ago. Like, why? Why would you not believe that WWE would want to Leo Rush um, more wrestlers? Yeah, I could definitely see that. Pete Dunn. Um maybe he could be Walter's manager on the main roster. There you go, done. Set, we set them both up. It does seem, though, Benno, that, like, you know, Pete done outside of having an NXT title run, he seems to have, you know, done everything in NXT. Mm. Yeah, that's it. You know, he got too big for NXT UK, and then it's not like he was ever the top guy in NXT proper, but he's been around, hasn't he? And he's been in the mix, and he's done a lot of the, the combinations you, you could expect. And again, if NXT was continuing on as the Triple H vanity promotion, maybe you could have sort of title run in his future. But if things go the way they're looking to go, I'd yeah, don't see what else he does. And again, you know, he's not going to be the type of wrestler Vince is going to want on Raw Ross SmackDown. I think, yeah, this story is going to repeat for, for a lot of these guys. There's going to be a lot of uh, stranded wrestlers on the, on, on this roster if, uh, if things continue the way they're going. Holland's uh, an interesting one, uh, Andy. Obviously, you know, he had his visa issues and injuries, but he definitely seems to fit this mold of sports star that they can shape. I know he had a few appearances on Indies over here, but he wasn't in the business for that long. I mean, he's not got time on his side i think he's around 33 years of age but he seems to sort of like fit this mold of sort of like you know a, a legit sports star coming in if that's the sort of way they're going i suppose but the age thing might be an issue for him oh is it uh, 33 is a young pup <laughs> <laughs> i thought they meant they were getting in sort of like uh, early 20s guys <laughs> well compared to damien priest he's a he's a he's a, he's a kid um yeah. but- no, I think I think uh, White House in a Ridge Holland on um, NXT at the moment. I think he's he's been very good. He had a match against who you know Timothy Thatcher the other week, which was three stars and above. Um, I did see him a couple of times on the um, Indies over here, um, doing a couple of appearances for Tidal. He's a big, big bloody lad, um, mm. but he's, he's he's got all the right contacts. He well, he's obviously got yours in sport, uh, Marty Jones <laughs> and. Uh, Regal, Regal will be Marty will be in Regal's ear, so he's he's got all the the right people around him, and I, I can see him making a you know a good fist of it. He's easily someone I could see on on, on the main roster in a in a couple of years, depending on injuries. That that's been his uh, crux, maybe. Yeah, because obviously he'll have a lot of mileage on the clock. Yeah, I've been mean, um, you know rugby's not an easy sport, is it? So yeah, he's uh, he was around there for a. A few years, but um, Benno, um, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of sort of talk about NXT UK, you know, and you've and you've had a busy month looking into paperwork and the like. What was this all about? Sort of like the UK office de- dissolving and stuff. What was it? What was going on with all that? 
So excuse me, Martin, just put my journalist hat on. Right, okay, it's on, <laughs> let's go. Uh, <laughs> I was just doing a bit of investigating, Martin, you know, journalism. Um, just following some breadcrumbs. No, I mean, it's all it was was there's a, there's the, you know, for trading in the UK, there's the main WWE um, company that they've set up. I think it's in existence since like 2002 that they do all their, their trading in the UK through. So, you know, the offices, the, the you know, merchandise, everything, everything they do out here, you know, they've got kind of got a, you've got to have a company to do it. You know, you've got to be registered mm-hmm. on company house and, you know, have, a, have executives and have, you know, people who take responsibility and print, you know, profits and revenue and all of that stuff. Um, so that's always existed, but like 2017 or so, they set up a, a separate company called WWE UK Holdings, which a lot of us interpreted as, you know, around the time that they started wanting to run NXT, well, at the time, WWE UK in the, in the UK, but NXT UK and set up the... Uh, the UK Performance Centre and, you know, that shell company. And it is just a, a holdings company and has existed um, this entire time, you know, and including, you know, switching, you know, uh, directors. So like, you know, George Barrios, who's a, who's a name, if anyone listens to the uh, financial calls at one point was a, was director. And obviously once he left WWE, they took him off and put somebody else in charge. And it's usually like WWE lawyers um, and money people um, who are listed and they've never really listed any full accounts or anything like that f- for this, but just interesting to note that, yeah, you know, in the, in the, you know, amongst all of these rumors that we're all hearing about, you know, we all know, you know, NXT itself's on the way out, and if Triple H and Shawn Michaels have lost power there, then Lord knows what's uh, what's happening over at, at NXT UK. You know, with Vince and Bruce Pritchard going to come over and book Gallus, I can't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, amongst all of that, um, WWE UK Holdings was struck off um, for not providing um, records. Um, and yeah, that was uh, that happened on the seventh of September, two days before we uh, we record this today. Just interesting, they'd let that happen, that they'd let that lapse. It could be bad paperwork. It could be the fact that they've decided to, you know, centralize all things and, and run through the, the one WWE um, UK company uh, in the UK. But, yeah, you know, just extra breadcrumbs and suspicion, really. Mm. I mean, you know, our mate Jim Smallman, everyone's mate, Jim Smallman, your mate, my mate, um, has, uh, <laughs> has gone on Instagram and said that uh, <laughs> WWE UK Holdings is uh, is nothing to do with, uh, with NXT UK. So there you go. You know, if you are the type of person who believes anything Jim Smallman says, then you can you can take that um but just yeah interesting timing all in all uh, especially uh, again amongst the rumors and amongst the massive change on on the WWE side you know it's it does feel like you know and i know a couple of nxt uk wrestlers who are you know definitely being one to you know being cautious of uh, of what's going on right now and they read all mm. the same rumors we do and you know hear all the same things and i believe you know there was definitely a, a bit of an atmosphere at the last lot of uh, of NXT UK uh, um meetings and tapings uh, that they they don't know what the future is and it just yeah just seems to continue to float along against all logic right now NXT UK yeah, it does seem like it's got a big black cloud over it, Andy, and it has seemed a while. I mean, obviously, very interesting what Benno's saying there, and it, you know, and even if it hasn't got anything to do, you know, to do with NXT UK, the promotion, it's still interesting. Sort of like if they're letting this sort of like paperwork lapse, isn't it? Yeah, it's bad administration, isn't it? But um, I mean, the, the news came out, didn't it, about WWE Japan? Um, hmm. It's like a similar similar story, but that had. Uh, they closed down the operations there, but they, they were thinking of like setting up a promotion there and it ne- never came off. So it was just one of them, like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bugger this off. I don't, I, my own personal opinion, I don't think NXT UK is going anywhere. 
I, I just I just don't. Um, BT, BT Sports are still uh, promoting it to death, obviously, because it's in their studios. But the amount of like production work and you know the video that they did um, about NXT UK shows for me it's 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 not going it's not going anywhere. But when when having like watched the show for the last few weeks since uh, Ilya and Walters uh, on the jollies in America, <laughs> you can tell that the the actual show itself's missing Ilya and Walter and even Tyler and Trent Seven. Take them four out. There's yeah, it's all a bit bland and yeah, a bit like, like Ben all said, a bit uncertain to where they're actually actually taking it. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because like you said, it seemed like BT Sport were hearing all these rumours about NXT UK, so they did put this big advert out, didn't they? Sort of like promoting yeah. it, and they seem to have gone out of their way now to promote it a lot more, which is uh, which is certainly interesting. But um, yeah, you can't. I, I suppose you can't say for definite that that means it's sticking around. Perhaps they're just promoting it until sort of like, you know, the it, it's up or whatever. It's, um, yeah. it's a really hard one to call, I think, Benno. Yeah, it keeps giving that, I mean, that, Andy's absolutely right. That does give me pause. You know, you, we all kind of you know, see, feel like the writing's on the wall. And then, you know, obviously, I mean, BT seem to love this product. You know, they're putting money behind those adverts and they, they like having their, that, their WWE UK brand. But the one thing I would say from this year, you know, learning from some of the firings earlier this year and what's going on at NXT itself is, does the right hand know what the left hand's doing in WWE? And will Vince McMahon care, you know? And if it if it can save, you know, the, the other um, Khan, Nick Khan, some money on a spreadsheet somewhere and, you know, I could imagine Vince McMahon's sure, well, you know, do they need NXT UK? Oh, we'll just give, just give them 205 live run, reruns or let's throw, you know, main event on there or whatever, you know, because it's not like NXT UK is doing monster numbers in the UK. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me for that to happen too because it is a company right now that feels like WCW at its, at its worst where the left hand really doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And yeah, NXT UK has always been run as like a bit of a satellite and we, we hear stories of, you know, Shawn Michaels being like the uh, the Wizard and the Wizard of Oz being, you know, a, a booming voice behind a curtain shouting instructions to people at a, at, a, at shows and, and running things, you know, remotely from America. But again, if, if, if Shawn and Triple H are, are losing power, you know, uh, are they going to put other people in place to do that? Is, is Sean and, and Triple H going to be allowed to continue to run NXT UK, you know, as it is, you know, even down to the logo, you know, it's it's kind of like a mini version of proper NXT and proper NXT doesn't exist anymore. Um, it, it's in a really, really weird place. And yeah, like Andy said, it's it's not, you know, it's no surprise that uh, the things feel uncertain for the wrestlers there and, the, and just generally uh, the people working there because, yeah, we're all uncertain about it. And yeah, there's just... No, you know, there's never been a real consistent message as to as to what's going to happen next, and I don't think it's as much as uh, we could all believe it. Can, it rumbles on, and it's contact for BTA. I don't think any of us would be shocked if we wake up tomorrow and and it's announced it's gone. That's the uh, the ten talks. It it seems to be on right now. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Nick Khan there, and obviously, you know, Ariel Tawani has been doing a number of interviews for BT Sport, and obviously, you know, a lot of us watched that interview Nick Khan did with him, and you know. As far as, you know, impressions that I got and my own personal opinion was that, you know, he is literally all about the money, isn't he? he, he mm. I mean, he probably would struggle to name five of the wrestlers. And, you know, he, you know, if it makes sense money-wise to him to cut things, then he, he's going to advise it or do it, isn't he? So, yeah, it really came across like as, you know, a, 
a very ruthless businessman. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, again, sort of like where we are at, you know, this time next month in NXT UK. It's like, you know, it always seems to be on there, you know, really thin ice. So um, yeah, interesting to see where, where we're going to be at next month with that. But um, sort of like, on sort of like more uh, stuff on this side of the pond and uh, Red Pro have been busy this past month with uh, shows all over the North and South. Um, First one to get into was the uh, big ninth anniversary show they had on the 21st of August from the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. Uh, you two were there live, and I was going to chat this show with you after watching it on VOD, but uh, tried watching it twice on Pivot Share two days in a row, only to be met with uh, this website has exceeded its cookie hub limit, and none of the content would play once I clicked on it. I'm sure, you know, this is going to come as no surprise to anyone, you know, that pivot share is absolutely awful and the sooner <laughs> that wrestling promotions can find a better alternative to stream their shows the better i mean it just in my own personal opinion this thing doesn't seem to have had an update since it was launched always awful for playback doesn't have chapters and is just generally terrible so lads andy do you want to go first how was this show i heard there was a good tag match i wish i could have watched it yeah, so um, Young Guns and Aussie Open, ah, cracking match. He lived up to expectations. Um, I, w- I would say, I would say, with the Young Guns, every like team that they do face, they they seem like the the bullies in the match. Whereas um, this match, um, they they were the ones getting their ass kicked um, by <laughs> two two lads who were much bigger than them. And I, I mean, like the Young Guns have like beefed up. Um, considerably over the last 18 months, but you just see Cal Fletcher and Mark Davis on the other side of the ring, and bloody hell, they, they've uh, put put on some beef uh, since since they've been away in Australia. Now, nah, um, top notch match, and yeah, probably the be- like the best match on the show overall. I, I went four and a quarter on it. Um, obviously, with it being a Manchester crowd, we were behind the. Young Guns. There were some uh, Schadenfreude fans still still there in Manchester. Try and make noise for Aussie Open, but now nah, absolute fantastic match. Probably in my it's definitely in my top ten live matches of the year, and um, definitely with the young the young guns they've uh, they've impressed uh, so far in Red Pro, and it's shown it's shown that the promotions are a great fit for them, unlike. Mm. Uh, progress yeah what what, what they produce there yeah i echo that like having you know we're going to talk about having seen them live again this weekend in red pro like god i mean andy quilton's got to be made up that whoever suggested young guns to him or however he's ended up with them like that they are there in red pro because you know we all we all joke about oh you know there's a there's a healthy brit wrestling all these wrestlers are going to step up there's two wrestlers that are stepping up there's two wrestlers that absolutely fit the red pro aesthetic perfectly and you can imagine them slotting into like you know a, a little japan run or you know being being of interest the red pro partner promotions but yeah i was you know they stood not far from andy for this match and i was i mean i think it was the it was the match on the show that that, that i went for um and it was purely because it was going to be i know young guns have been doing more of a heel thing in rev pro but you knew they were going to get a, a loud homecoming and they were going to be popular you know uh, in manchester as far as you know being uh, known there to those fans and you know being kind of beloved in that area and, and that dynamic worked perfectly it was it really was like a reminder of one how good aussie open are and 
God, you can absolutely, you know, uh, you uh, Rev Pro again are lucky to have them. I think that they can they can headline shows going forward. And two, yeah, how how well Young Guns fit in. It was just, you know, the pace never stopped. It was a perfect kind of combination of four men. You know, the Young Guns played underdogs in some ways, but you know, I thought the you know the the Aussies were great at, at selling. You know, the hard hitting action of the Young Guns and showing that they they were no joke in there as well. And part of me wanted to see Young Guns go over because it was just like, oh, how can you not be so so over uh, in the Manchester area? But it makes sense, you know, as the opener, uh, you know, a, a team and he has individuals as well who can absolutely headline Red Pro shows right now. And Young Guns are on the way there, but are still you know young. They are still. Uh, working their, their way up the uh, the Rev Pro totem pole. But yeah, this was one, you know, it was 20 minutes that absolutely lived up to the hype and, you know, made it absolutely worth buying that ticket to that ninth anniversary show. What about the rest of the show? Obviously, they had, um, you know, it's a big old venue, isn't it? The Victoria Warehouse in, in Manchester, um, you know, usually have sort of like club nights and gigs and stuff on there. And um, what about the rest of the show? Obviously, Andy was headlined by uh, Ricky Knight Jr. against Shota Rumino. How, how was that match? And also the Will Ospreay against Doug Williams one. Yeah, so I, I, w- I would I would say with the venue um, at first, the, the crowd <laughs> at times were very uh, muted, you know, trying to get stuff going, especially during Dan Maloney and Adam Matstead, which, yeah, you could hear a bloody wet fart drop. It just... It just <laughs> It just wasn't good. Um, mm. And also, the six-pounder can for uh, Budweiser. <laughs> I knew you were going to mention that. <laughs> and also, the red stripe uh, running out uh, five minutes in. and he had a, I think he had more bar staff than wrestlers. On, on, oh, it was ridiculous. During the evening. Um, but the, the, the two main matches, Will Ospreay and Doug. I thought Will Ospreay carried Doug to... Uh, a good match. Doug, I think, well, me and Martin saw him on um, on Saturday. He's not moving as quick as he used to, is Doug. But uh, I thought I thought Will bumped around like, um, you know, like Shawn Michaels in that Hulk Hogan match, just try to get, you know, something out of the match. I, I went like three and a half stars on it. Um, the shorter Uminoa, as we called him, Tiny Hashi. More than <laughs> um, against Ricky Knight Jr. It was an okay main event. I don't think it was as good as the um, Osprey and Doug match, but no, it, me it was getting a bit of a long evening. We're about three and a half hours into the show, and it was okay. And then they proceeded to do like a 15 minute promo with Ricky Knight Jr. and Osprey while Osprey won his uh, mum's dressing gown. And we were just like, oh, come on, lads, we want to go home. Yeah, that was rough, and the audio was terrible as well. Like Osprey yeah. tried to take advantage of the Punk debut from the night before, and 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 call out CM Punk, but no one heard what he said. And then he had to repeat it like four or five times to make sure everyone knew what he said. And the, the impact was well and truly gone. Um, but yeah, I'm with Andy over those two matches. I I went up close for Doug and Osprey just to kind of you know get to see you know an Osprey match up close, get to see Doug up close again. Um, and I actually I really enjoyed that match. I thought. You know, it kind of Doug being a little bit slower and a little bit, you know, older, um, which is fair to say, <laughs> it kind of forced Osprey to work a slightly different match than he normally would, and you know, drop a few of his his usual tricks and go a bit bit more back to basics. Like at that um, hooked on wrestling thing I mentioned at the top, Doug did a Q and A, and I asked him about working with Osprey, and he was quite blatant. He was like, "Yeah, you know, Osprey is clearly 
gotten better, you know, since going to Japan. And, you know, you can tell the basics are, are there now well more than, you know, he would have been when I don't think Doug had actually wrestled him, you know, uh, before Osprey went to Japan. But, mm. you know, having seen him before, he was kind of like, yeah, you know, he's a he's a completely different wrestler now. And, you know, I think that the fact that Osprey's got that more of that grounding now from being in Japan meant that this match was was far better than, than it had any right to be. Um, and, yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed kind of seeing that one up close. Shoter and Ricky, yeah, and with, with, with Andy, I, I didn't think much of that really, unfortunately. I don't think Shoter and Minos look great um, in this uh, this run since Red Pro have gone back to live crowds. Ricky Knight Jr. is fantastic, and I'm sure I'll uh, I'll continue my monthly raving about Ricky Knight Jr. in a minute when I talk about the London show I went to, but it wasn't really the night for him. Um, although I will say, as Andy said, that, that promo battle after the match where uh, Osprey and Ricky Knight set up the, the York Hall match, Osprey was terrible, um, but Ricky Knight Jr. kind of at least brought it on back on track a little bit, and he's he's got a he's got an old head on young shoulders, so uh, you know at least he uh, he gave us that on this night. Yeah, so obviously that um, Osprey video got shared quite a bit around social media, didn't it? And it looked like he was getting a very tepid reaction of the crowd. Was that a fair sort of like comparison, or was it just sort of like what Andy said there about the crowd just being dead for most of it? I don't think so at all. I mean, I understand why people want to pile on Osprey, but I mean, sometimes I just kind of think, yeah, it's that wasn't real life. Uh, I mean, Andy said, you know, that it's a big old warehouse, the Manchester Victoria mm. warehouse, and then, you know, it sound doesn't travel great. Nobody was really getting like, you know, loud, loud heat during the night. Osprey got the reaction you would expect Osprey to, he was coming out being heelish so if you got any booze you know it, it wasn't because of any real life reason or maybe it was for some people but mostly it was the fact that he was working a heel character um and yeah on the night i didn't really take any note uh, of the reaction being you know in context with the the reaction from the rest of the night young guns aside um i don't think it really told us anything really i don't i think that was a, a bit of a, a storm and a teacup what do you think about Shota then, um, Andy? I mean, obviously, you know, you, you said he underwhelmed you on that show. Do you think it's just ring rust? Obviously, he's had a lot of time out, hasn't he? So do you think, you know, it's just a case of him sort of like getting used to being back in the ring? Um, may, maybe that, but it's, it's one of them because he's been hyped up as like someone for the future. I, I've just thought he just felt a bit tepid, especially mm. when, you know, he's in uh, Yolta Suji, um Sheffield and like out the gate he was yeah like wow he, he could he could really have a good run in the UK while he's on excursion where it was with shorter room you know I was just like meh meh take him a leaving really what do you think uh Benno do you think he was half arsing it or uh or it's just uh ring rust I think it's rust he looks a little bit out of shape as well um yeah I think it'll come with time but yeah I, I would say that yeah i think it was a wise decision to put him in the uh, rkj on top i think it lends more to the story of rkj being the real top guy of Pro rather mm. than osprey but it also couldn't follow the match before it so i think that's part of it as well um so yeah, i don't think he's so much half arse and it is like i say he's maybe a little bit rusty and a little bit out of shape if anything but um i'm sure he'll come good yeah, cause Andy mentioned it a couple of times then, and uh, thankfully Red Pro ran in uh, my own town, Sheffield, on the 4th of September. Uh, we were both there, two shows, one in the afternoon and then one in the evening. Uh, I attended the evening show and had a had a fantastic time, uh, pretty full for a show in Sheffield, probably the fullest I've seen it since uh, Southside used to run there, um, run that venue. Uh, great atmosphere, saw the debut of uh, Yotasuji, as Andy noted there, on his uh, excursion from New Japan, he took on Cal Fletcher in the evening. Uh, 
definite match of the night, that one. I mean, both seemed really up for it and they had an absolutely cracking match. I mean, I'd recommend that, um, you know, if you can get on Red Pros on demand anytime soon. And obviously, <laughs> Andy and his brother Jeff came up with a, a fantastic chant that, um, you know, seemed to go down well in the building and even got a, a lot of appreciation from uh, Yota Suji himself. Um, but yeah, because it is worth noting, there were quite a few issues going into that show with uh, Will Ospreay, Show Rumino, and Mark Davis of Aussie Open all uh, sadly testing positive for COVID. And so obviously the show had a massive reshuffle. But I thought uh, we had a cracking show, but uh, nothing was really beating that uh, Kyle Fletcher and Yoa Suji match. They seemed to uh, match up really well, didn't they, Andy? Yeah, yeah. No, absolute cracker. I think you were only like third match on the card. Um Carl Fletcher had um, a similar banger in the first, uh, in like the afternoon show against mm. Callum Newman, who's always been, um, people have like thought of him as like the next Will Ospreay. He's he's like proper filled out and, you know, like same size as Carl Fletcher. And they had, uh, Andy put down a four-star match on grapple um, between them two in the afternoon. Um, yeah, Yolta Suji and Carl Fletcher, <laughs> Obviously, the um, the atmosphere was much better in the evening show than the uh, afternoon mm. show when we tried that uh, yes sir I can boogie chant for uh, for you. <laughs> <laughs> An uh, all time classic that that was brilliant. Oh yeah, we we, we have tried it in the past for uh, Yestin Race, uh, which yeah it it didn't work. That was a couple of years ago, but it's more popular now that song. But no, really re- really enjoyed uh, Yalta and Cal Fletcher. Cal Fletcher. He's a strange one for me as a singles wrestler because I saw him a couple of years ago against, I think it was against Will Ospreay at Fight Club Pro. And I, I was just like, I don't think much of him as a singles wrestler. And then I saw him a couple more times on the Schadenfreude shows. And like, I, don't, I just don't get the buzz with Carl Fletcher. Now, fast forward a couple of years and seeing him have these two matches at, um, at the Sheffield show, but... Wow, where 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 has this Cal Fletcher been? And could could easily see him like a, you know, possibly have a match against a, a Ricky Knight Jr. for a title mm. or a, or an Osprey like in the in the next few months. But yeah, uh, thought he was great. Yolta Suji, he took he took to it like a doctor water. He had a, a match against uh, Screwface Ahmed in the afternoon, which. It was it was a it was a three star match. Funny thing with Yolta Suji, he looks much smaller in real life than he does on telly. Mm. Yeah, Kyle Fletcher was sort of like uh, towering above him a, a bit, weren't he? But he's still sort of built like a brick shit house, isn't he? Um, yeah, I really really enjoyed seeing him. Great um, great debut, and it'll be good to see him sort of like in Red Pro moving forward. Um, rather than go through sort of like match to match, I, there were a lot of people that really impressed me on the show. Obviously, we had. Robbie X opening up against Kid Lycos, and he had a great reaction from the crowd, didn't he? Always, um, he's always a, a, a good person to have, sort of like to open up these shows and you know and, and get the crowd hot for it, isn't he? Yeah, um, Southside regular Robbie X. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't break out a street fight to make it more uh, Southside authentic. Uh... Oh, I know they used to love a street uh, a street fight, didn't they, in, in Sheffield back in the day? Certainly saw plenty of them ones. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, I just want to reiterate about Callum Callum Newman. Yeah, obviously, you know, he obviously got a lot of comparisons with Osprey, but yeah, he's filled out a lot. He was in like a a throwaway scramble match, sort of like the sort of thing you'd see. Um, 
at Fight Club Pro back in the day, was it? That was like Brendan White, Adam Maxted, uh, Callum Newman, Connor Mills, JJ Gale, Kid Lycos 2, and Michael Oku. I think that's just because they've been on the afternoon show, haven't they? So they threw them out, and it was just everyone get the shit in sort of thing. But yeah, Callum Newman looks really good. I think, like you say, he's really filled out. And of course, you know, he had that uh, a pretty good tag match with the, the young guns. Obviously, they're the, the men of the hour, aren't they? Everyone's sort of like talking about them against the Legion team of Chris Ridgway and, and Mark Haskins. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty good match, despite um, your protest that uh, the young guns uh, hadn't seen a Mark Haskins match, because obviously you went through the uh, the Mark Haskins playbook and uh, they hadn't been paying attention, apparently. Oh, the, f- the thing is, Mark Haskins is... I've not seen him in ages, and I don't mind Mark Askins, but his 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 moveset hasn't changed in eighteen months. <laughs> he, well, his gears changed in eighteen months. He didn't look too bad, uh, but yeah, he was still doing that that bounce back dive. And it's just like, have you not watched your fucking Mark Askins tapes? Brett like <laughs> Hart, Roddy Piper, bloody uh, move from WrestleMania eight. Just like mm. have you never never watched this show. <laughs> it, it's it's very infuriating for me. Um, no, but it, it was it, it was a fine it was a fine match that um, between Askins and Ridgeway versus Young Guns. What one thing I will say, Martin, is how many members of the Legion are there? Oh, I've lost count at this point. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's sort it's sort of like one of them um, you, you know old South Side uh, factions like. Guilty by habit and trial by violence, and yeah. all that. Yeah, it's just like who's the member this month? Um, that yeah, there was that. There's one thing I've got to point out from the uh afternoon show. Uh, there were matched with Hyen and uh Hannah Taylor, who was the former Jessica Light, she's like a, a Gibson and Drake trainee. She's come on leaps and bounds since um, since I last saw her about probably about 18 months to two years ago. She's just really improved with her moveset. And she, she looks, um, I would say, very very marketable. You'd see probably see her, um, I don't know, in, in Kerrang! magazine. She, she's got a very marketable look about her. She's definitely one to keep an eye out for. And I think Rev Pro have actually uh, put her on um, this, this weekend's pop-up show. You know, oh, right, yeah, I'll definitely have to check her out. Yeah, it seemed she was making a debut for them, weren't she? And it seems they're going to be using her from uh, this point forward. So, yeah, definitely, um, you know, replacing all those uh, female wrestlers they lost to uh, NXT UK during the sort of like, uh, you know, no fans era of wrestling. But, um, yeah, just to, I mean, the, the main event, Ricky Knight Jr. against True Face, Ahmed was nothing to sort of write home about. But just to reiterate what you and Benno have said, I mean, Ricky Knight Jr.'s, you know, always impresses me whenever I see him live. I'm sure it was no different to the London show you went to the day after the Red Pro show. What was that? The, the 229, the venue, instead of the usual cockpit uh, venue they use in London. Yeah, it is. They've been running here quite a lot lately. It's, um, you know, they've got another pop-up show they're doing this weekend as well with 50% off for people who went to uh, to the show I went to. So, yeah, decent, decent little bargain there. Um, I think it's mainly because they want to use Osprey um, while he's in the country <laughs> and they couldn't use him for uh, because Osprey got COVID um, on this 229 show. But it's funny, I was speaking to people and, like, you kind of get mixed reviews as to whether it's a better venue than the cockpit. I think 
in general, I think RevPro like running the cockpit because it is, it's, you know, a nice little theater and it looks cool, doesn't it? And it's, you know, I think people go and despite the fact it hasn't been modernized in all oh, 15 years, based on reports I've heard, I think people do like the idea of being there, but you know, 229 does feel like a little bit more of a more modern venue. You can get a few, a few more people in there, even if maybe uh, the fact that it, there's an, an over 14s uh, limit there that the cockpit doesn't have, I suppose it's got that going against it as well. But I liked it as a little venue. I believe Eva ran there as well um and they wouldn't have liked the beer selection i had one of the worst the worst pints of camden pale i've ever had in my life a six pound 80 andy it was Ooh. it was rough um not good stuff i ended up I, if you know me i wouldn't normally do this but i was switching to just the regular lagers um just to kind of you know you know you, you know what you're getting be a six pound but it, it is a uh, it is london after all um but yeah nice little venue like i say um small room but you know seems to work well for rev pro and God, you know how 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 hard of promotions in the past looked for for London-based affordable venues. So if Redbro have got two and they can alternate between here and the cockpit, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing as well. But yeah, it was fun to get to to get to see you know to get to see a Redpro show. One, not in the north, and two, usually if I'm traveling down south, it's a it's a York Hall show. So it was interesting to see you know a quote unquote lesser show. And yeah, to echo some of the praise there, you know, I, I think that the main two big matches on this show um one of which was the main events of the first half ricky knight jr and kyle fletcher and you know i'd say all the same things about kyle fletcher like he is you forget how good he is um great tag wrestler obviously aussie open is is maybe where the money is but the fact that if you've got kyle fletcher on your roster and you can throw him in you know a, a rando singles match like this and you can be you know challenger of the month for, for someone like a, a ricky knight jr or or potentially an osprey going forward um, you forget how useful um, you can be in that role and they had a, a great little matches like a first half main event maybe three and a half stars is probably what i'd give it but it was just a really you know high high intensity you know um, back and forth match between Ricky Nankuna and Kyle Fletcher and there was even a point after the match where Kyle Fletcher got on the mic and said what we've all been saying Ricky Knight Jr. is a, a different wrestler you know here 18 months on from the, the last time Kyle had worked him and that was one thing that really stood out for me again seeing him in a smaller room this time Ricky Knight Jr. stands out as a superstar there is a reason Rev Pro put all of their eggs in the Ricky Knight Jr. basket um, and it's something that does seem to be paying off. I think he, he he's carrying himself like a superstar. He's kind of doing that borderline heel babyface act, but it really works for him. Um, and if anything, it puts him maybe a level above everyone else on the card. And I think that's a, a purposeful choice too, as, as far as slotting him. Um, he, he's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, that was a big highlight. And the other big highlight was the uh, the main event, the uh, the rematch of uh, Destination Everywhere, Connor Mills and Michael Oko against the Young Guns. And yeah, I'll continue the praise of the Young Guns as, you know, I was, you know, when we talked uh, the Manchester show on Grapple, I was a little bit critical of Young Guns trying to get heat at the end of that match and flipping up Aussie Open and trying to be heels in front of a Manchester crowd that wasn't going to boo them in a million years. But seeing them here, you know, on a London show being full heels and they, you know, attack destination everywhere right from the top. They got what felt like, you know, 15 minutes worth of heat on Connor Mills and Michael Oko. And my God, was it great heat. Just vicious kicks and strikes and suplexes and even some stuff on the outside where they were launching the destination everywhere, lads, you know, through chairs and, and bathroom on the outside and just taking turns, teeing off on, on poor Michael Oku, who was an incredible baby face. Like, uh, let's get that Michael Oku train going again because he's yeah. so good, so sympathetic. Mm. Um, 
honestly, is it? I don't want to, you know, I'm not saying Connor Mills was the weak man in the match, but that's the other thing I want to point out as a big strong point in the match was how good Michael Oku was as the, the underdog babyface. And they made me believe that the Young Guns could be taking the Rev Pro titles here and tag titles here. And it was, you know, lots of great near falls, lots of great work. And in the end, Destination Everywhere won, but it just made me think, yeah, they should run this again, you know, do a third match at a, at a bigger show. Um, and let's see these two teams go continue to go at it because they've got incredible chemistry and like we said earlier you know the fact that young guns are now a, a tool that uh that andy quilden's got in his back pocket that he can he can put in these big you know big spectacular quote-unquote work rate matches with a bit more of a realistic edge is just wonderful to see and this absolutely is it is the rightful home for young guns right now in rev pro yeah, definitely. And it is, I mean, we were talking um, a few months back, weren't we, you know, when we were watching them on them progress shows and stuff and we were like, oh, you know, it'd be so good if these guys were in Red Pro and it's good to see them, you know, all over these shows now. But um, as far as the weekend goes and, you know, I'm, I'm sure I speak to you guys, it was overall a good experience. You know, we said ad nauseum on here that Brit Wrestling isn't going to be what it was, you know, what it was a few years ago, not for a long, 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 long time. But I think, uh, you know, it's fair to say we had a really good time, you know, at the Sheffield show and you at the London show. And I like this sort of like roster Red Pro have assembled here, Andy. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it, it was a very good experience. I did say to um, Andy Quilden um, just before the start of the evening show, I said that this is like the, the best atmosphere one of these like corp shows has had in like ages. And you saw, mm. um, especially with the evening show, like the free rolls of chairs all around were all like sold out and it like, st- like standing room only at the bar. It was just nice to see a full venue. And I think the, the sort of cards Rev Pro have been putting on makes you want to, makes you want to buy a ticket at the moment because it does stand out as a, a really good product compared to like, you know, say progress ramp with what, uh, with the shows they're offering on the uh, WWE yeah. network. Um, but no, it was just great, great to see him run that venue at Sheffield. Even, even, even though that I would say with the cop, um, they have given it a bit of a, a lick of paint and um, mm. some nice <laughs> lights at the back of the room. I think Abbas <laughs> said it was like putting lipstick on a pig um, with that venue. <laughs> yeah, the toilets haven't improved any. I did notice oh. they put some kind of candle in there to try and yeah. uh, get rid of the smell, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least they he had go. running water this time. Well, the, 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 the air with final. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, um, Red Pro are going to be back to your call um, on the 19th of September for a high stakes. That's going to be headlined by Ricky Knight Jr. against Will Ospreay. They've got Hyan against the Giselle Show in a two out of three falls match. And then Aussie Open against Red Pro tag champs Michael Oku and Connor Mills. Um, Benno, you're going down for this one, aren't you? Are you uh, looking forward to that show? Yeah, I am. You know, like you said there, Red Pro of, you know, it's not like they got the this killer roster, but they're making better use of the the tools available to them than than any other promotion right now. Like they they really are getting things right, the little things, and I think part of that comes from the hard work they did during the pandemic, as far as you know, rebuilding um and putting together, you know. Uh, a, a fresh roster um, for those Twitch and YouTube shows. And like I say, the patience they've shown with the Ricky Knight Jr., the else they've shown to bring in, 
the likes of the young guns and yeah you know that being able the, the one of the benefits is to be able to lean on new japan and okay yes yosasuji is in a you know a, a killer signing or anything like that yes we'd all prefer to see minoru suzuki and and tamahiro ishii back but the fact that they've even got that you know that little link to, to new japan as far as being able to bring over their their young boys i think that makes things are a whole bit more interesting as well and yeah i think all all in all you have got lots of praise for Red Pro right now as far as being able they seem to be the one promotion i think because of the way they've always ran because they are more you know they put wrestling matches on and run a wrestling show and then everyone goes home it was never a oh we're all one big community oh let's let's all go to the pub afterwards type of thing it's always been a professional pro wrestling setup and a professional pro wrestling setup is going to withstand better than you know the rest of the the community-led type promotions part after party type promotions that we kind of had in the uk and yeah you know you, you look up and down this card and you know it, it's looking like it's it's taking decent shape i would say i think a lot of people are going to be making that trip based mainly um on the main events the fact that you know will osprey is, is going to be working ricky knight jr but whatever our thoughts are of of that you know yes okay the the, the, the promo battle in, in Manchester didn't go particularly well. It feels like a big match. And a lot of that's the fact that they've built, they've spent this time building up Ricky Knight Jr. And the, and the fact that they've got Will Ospreay available to them. So yeah, hugely looking forward to that. And yeah, I think all, all in all, you know, it, it, it's not going to be a, a your call show of, of days gone by, but it's, it's still, you know, they're putting their best foot forward as far as doing the strongest possible show they can do for your call. Yeah, it will be very interesting to see what the attendance is going to be like for that one. Obviously, you know, we're not expecting it, you know, to be filled to the rafters, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much they do end up filling uh, filling your call for that one. But something I just did want to quickly get into, because obviously we have been talking about Osprey a lot here, you know, uh, you know, he's been having a bit of a Twitter spat with Kenny Omega the last couple of days. I mean, surely, Andy, that means, you know, this sort of thing they've been having a go at each other on Twitter means they're going to be facing off against each other at some point this year. I mean, Osprey is going to be in the USA in the next couple of months. Um, I mean, this this is bound to happen, isn't it, at, at some point this year? Yeah, he's, he's doing that. Um, I know it's a non-wrestling appearance, but he's doing that Jericho Cruise as well. Uh, so, I think some somewhere around that time could be, uh, you know, could happen. But oh, you can't you can't see where they can fit it in with AEW at the moment because Kenny's got like the Danielson feud possibly and Hangman Page coming back and yeah, they, he, Omega seems too busy for like Will Osprey turning up for a week for a match, but. Hey, it pro- probably will happen, but I don't see I don't see it happening for quite a while. What about you, Benno? Could you see Osprey turning up on Dynamite one week just for a uh, a, a match with Kenny, or do you think he'd go for um, a couple of shows? Um, I think with the Forbidden Door being open these days, anything is possible. The fact that he was teasing it on the New Japan show as well, kind of says there must be some kind of idea for it. Can't see it. It probably wouldn't be a dynamite match. I could see it being some kind of maybe special pay-per-view match or something like that. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, if Kenny had his choice as far as New Japan goes, maybe Kota Ibushi would be the first choice. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, but I don't, I wouldn't rule out because, you know, we've, they've been using this New Japan relationship to bring in, you know, obviously Minoru Suzuki on dynamite this week and do, lesser matches that matches staring everybody in the face and 
you know, it's going to be a race to see who can put it on first. Or I think that the biggest question here is, does it happen in America or does it happen in Japan at some point? Yeah, it will be interesting to see. And um, certainly, yeah, it's just um, it's just a fun time to be a wrestling fan, isn't it? With all these sort of promotions working together and sort of like all these uh, interesting matches coming up. But um, I sort of throwing that out of here, there was a few sort of like uh, small things I wanted to get into. While we are on AEW, um, a big surprise for me this past month was uh, Jamie Hayter turning up in the promotion because obviously last we heard from from that side was that she'd gone for a tryout in NXT UK and then she's on AWTV with uh, Britt Baker and Rebel. Obviously, a great talent was always always enjoyed her on those Red Pro shows and um, a great addition to AEW, I think, Andy. Oh, certainly so. It's obviously it's a be- better role for her in um, AEW being be- beside one of the like hottest acts in the company in uh, Britt Baker, rather than being stuck um, stuck in an Enfield warehouse getting dusty. But mm. I think over the last two like couple of weeks, I know she lost to um, Ruby Solo um, this past week on Dynamite in a yeah bit of a clunky match. Uh, didn't really work well together, and. Yeah, I, I, I probably expected more of her coming in as like this dominant, like bodyguard type person for uh, Britt Baker. And in the space of like two or three weeks, they've like had a beat already. And she were in that handicap match where her and Reba lost to Chris Statlander. Well, Reba got pinned, but I, I, I just don't like seeing that so quickly. Like they brought her in as this bodyguard to watch Britt Baker's back and look dominant and then a couple of weeks later looking at looking at the 40 watt light bulbs it's just not my thing I would say yeah not the best look Benno I don't think if you're coming in as a as an enforcer for somebody losing so quickly yeah that that is an issue and the other thing is you know she's so good and so accomplished and that AW women's division is so lacking in depth that kind of strike you as the type of person you'd, you'd want to keep strong um but i don't know i, th- I think through the the Britt baker association they're gonna i'm sure she'll rebound and i'm sure she'll she'll get some wins just uh unfortunately went that, that quickly to to the loss yeah because we also had some other aw news that sort of like pertains to uk because obviously always mm. the big question was you know when are aw gonna do a big show over here and uh, tony Khan was on observer radio this past month saying you know he's thought a lot about it and he hasn't got an exact date um when he can announce it but he just wants to come to england and obviously you know the home of fulham fc um craven cottage you know that's that's where he, he wants to run so obviously we have talked about it a while and it seems you know it is going to happen at some point then yeah, um, the fact that he's saying, I mean, we all, I know, Will, I think Will was uh, the one who kind of led the calls of it's got to be Craven Cottage if AEW come over. And mm. we had discussions, haven't we, in the past? Or, or would they run the copper box? You know, would Benno finally get to go to the copper box to see some wrestling? <laughs> um, would they, uh, <laughs> would they try like a bigger stadium show? Craven Cottage is, is a place where it's, you know, it's got capacity of 25,000. Um, and that's with a football pitch. <laughs> you know, you could probably yeah. have a couple more thousand uh, for seating on that you know on the ground itself but like like tony khan said it's a it's a world-class stadium and they own it so and it's in, in london and i believe easy to get to too so so why not and i tell you what man i honestly think they could fill it i think not just you know you look at what what new japan did when they came over and did the cop box like i say they did almost ten thousand, and that new japan was 
relatively hot in this country, but I think AEW is is a level above that as well. You know, add on the, the TV clearance they've got. I know we've all got our criticism of the ITV <laughs> TV deal, but that is a shop window. You can advertise it there. The fact they've got Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, you can do something uh, with Anthony Agogo. You can do something with Pac. You can you can absolutely see them filling that thing, especially once you consider you know traveling Europeans and not just not just UK fans. I think that it's got a it feels like it's a matter of when, not if. And I, I would like them to just get a move on and advertise it because mm. you know those those fuckers over in Stanford are going to want to uh, announce their own show and they'll be like, oh, you know, 20 years since SummerSlam 92. Uh, yeah. well, the WWE is coming back for Extreme Rules, you know, uh, mm. Rewind or whatever the hell it's called. Like that, that, that <laughs> feels like they're going to try that. So if I'm Tony Khan, I get in first because we always say it. TNA had an amazing opportunity over there to be almost the UK wrestling company. They were filling the MEN, you know, they were filling stadium, state arenas in Scotland and and in London as well. They they had you know a real good foothold in the UK. Tony Khan knows this market, lives here half the time. He's got to know how important it is to to get in here before WWE. You know, twenty years too late, come back and uh, and run another major show. So yeah, I, I think let's get a move on with that and let's do that early twenty twenty two, if if not sooner. No, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it, when you say it like twenty thousand people, you're like, wow, that sounds like a lot. But even so, you know, New Japan do ten thousand. Even if they did sort of like. 15, you know, 16, 17, and they hammered the sort of like, you know, like you say, get a go-go on Sky Sports News. You know, mm. what British Strong Style were on like uh, Good Morning Britain or whatever. I'm sure you could get sort of like Punk and Brian or guys like that to go on there. You know, and if they absolutely hammered it, I could absolutely see them, you know, it, at least doing sort of like 16, 17,000, maybe even 20,000, uh, Andy. Personally, I, I don't think you'll see that amount in attendance. I, I think I think eight thousands a more realistic number. Wow. Um, but, but I think very very similar to what um, you know when TNA were at the height over here. Um, mm. I think I think they were about seven or eight thousand their big their biggest crowd, and the the channel what they were on is a similar channel to what. AEW's on over here, you know, in like view, viewership. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think sixteen to twenty thousands a bit, bit pie in the sky. Uh, I do think seven to eight thousand a bit. It's still a healthy number. Yeah, um, it could still it. sort of like you know use tarp over the sort of like top end of the stadium and stuff, and still make it look good, even if they were only drawing numbers like that. Yeah. Definitely. So some some of similar to I know a few few have said about that WAW show at Carroll Road where they just had like a big big corner of the ground and still got mm. like four thousand. But yeah, I, I do I do think about seven or eight thousand for an attendance. It'd still be a healthy number for the first time over, and it's something that they can build on because if you get like twenty thousand straight away, it's just could be. You know, the only way is down, maybe. Um, well, I suppose obviously we talked a bit about Wales Comic Con's coming up soon, isn't it? Isn't that this weekend? The same weekend as uh as um the November, November um, no, November. It's in November, yeah. Yeah, November twentieth, um, yeah. something like that. 
Yeah, and they've obviously got Omega and Sting and Britt Baker and everyone on there. Do you think they are literally just coming over for this Comic Con and we're not going to see them sort of like appearing at Red Pro, which is obviously, you know, that'd be that'd be great for us fans, but it doesn't seem doable when they're appearing two days in a in a Comic Con um, in um, is it actually in Telford, even though it's called Wales Comic Con. <laughs> Probably a hard trip in it to uh, to do both. Mm. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I think think that's just a coincidence. And as far as like yeah, getting the uh, the entire AEW roster over here, I think it's more likely to happen early next year. But no, I mean I, I'm definitely bullish, definitely more than than Andy on the attendance. I just I just think if New Japan, a Japanese wrestling product, can pull eight thousand people, I think that's the minimum um, for AEW. But I guess we'll see. We'll play a game when it when it gets closer. We'll uh, we'll all the, we'll all draw numbers and we'll uh, we'll see how they do. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And uh, just come other series I wanted to get into before we get out of here. Um, Charlie Morgan uh, made a big return to wrestling at the Pro Wrestling Eve, um, the all-female promotion. They had their uh, annual event, Wrestle Queendom, on the 27th of August, obviously. That was a big talking point. Uh, Morgan's obviously quite, uh, you know, synonymous with Eve, you know, doing spectacular dives from the balcony of York Hall and the like. Um, always liked her in Eve and Southside and the like. Uh, I think the less said about a progress run, the better. But um, I got to come back, for, um, you know, for this sort of like depleted UK wrestling scene, Andy. I, I don't know, you know, if it was, um, you know, she was um, apparently injured and, and couldn't wrestle anymore, but it seems she's made a comeback here. And I always um, enjoyed watching her. I think, you know, with the way the UK wrestling scene's been so depleted, I think it's always good to have sort of like an older hand comeback um, for, for some shows. Yeah, I would say he's, uh, he's definitely an extra body in uh many women's divisions around the country, which, uh, you know, would suffer a bit from, like, having the same four um, four, four people in um, each of their rosters. But, no, it was good to, good to see you back. I was I was there for that balcony dive for the uh, first Wrestle Queendom and also there for the retirement speech. So, uh, no, um, this actual Wrestle Queendom 4 show, it was... Uh, I think they were showing half, supposedly showing half the show on um, YouTube for free, but ended up showing the uh, the Rumble match after. Um, they forgot to turn the feed off, but they did turn the feed off as soon as uh, Charlie Morgan's entrance uh, theme come on. So you, you had to go and pay like eight eight quid on Eve's like website to actually see the last fifteen minutes. Show finished about twelve o'clock. Heard people got back home about two and three o'clock in the morning but uh, oh god and we thought red pro run like yeah because they did stream <laughs> the show on youtube didn't they uh, i heard it wasn't the best uh stream andy didn't you watch some of it oh yeah um yeah it wasn't the best stream like the the um commentary sound was just very low you could they were like commentating in a hole but yeah mm. you had the ring announcer okay it was like an assault on the ears <laughs> Every, every like two minutes during the rumble, there's this big fog on coming over the over the over my TV speakers. Oh no! Yeah, nah, it, it wasn't very good. The wrestling was good. The production was shite. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know if it's by choice or what, but Jet is someone who always appears on these Eve shows. I mean, she seems really underused over it. Obviously, a very experienced wrestler and sort of like a good character. Seems like you know. She should be appearing for more promotions uh, in the UK, Benno. Yeah, definitely. She talk about somebody who's been around for a long time, you know, back to the, the dark old days of, uh, of Brit Res and, and still manages to be relevant now. Yeah, you'd like, yeah, you know, you look like a Red Pro 
struggled with their their women's division, um, especially with you know uh, recent uh, developments and with the the risk of you know NXT UK signing up uh, anybody they they try it uh, they try and push yeah, names like that would, would make sense. I mean, to be honest, it's it's always made sense for me to, for even Rev Pro to have a more formal relationship. Um, I don't know the politics behind this, though. I that has never mm. happened, but you know I. Say that like that. Repro women's division is constantly uh, in a state of rebuilding, and yeah, could do a bit, a bit, a bit more stability. So yeah, someone like a Jetta would definitely, definitely help. We're talking about sort of like uh, people uh, slowly coming back to the UK, especially from the US, and obviously Hyan has come on for um, come over for a Repro for sort of like a really extended trip. But um, Jonathan Gresham is going to be coming over to the UK with Jordan Grace for uh, Wrestle Circus in October. Um, so sort of like major name coming in from the States to appear for a, a Brit Rest promotion sort of like uh, during the pandemic. I mean, Andy, I would have thought this will be a template if this goes well with uh, Gresham and, and Jordan Grace. Uh, you know, we might see um, a lot more US talent coming in over here for uh, for mini tours because I really can't see him coming in just for one day. I'm sure we'll see um, other promotions um, announce Gresham for shows around October time. Yeah, well, I think he's he's doing that Wrestle Carnival show and also doing like um, a seminar while, while while he's there for, for Wrestle Carnival. So it does look like just like a one shot one shot deal. Um, I were mentioning you uh, to you earlier about that Akira Francesco, who's like from all Japan. He's um, doing wrestle doing a Wrestle Carnival in November. There's also a mm. uh, as I said, Chris Masters was supposed to come over this weekend uh, for PCW, but he's got COVID, but it's going to be back in November. It's, it's a tough one, really. I think October's sort of a window where they can get quite a few of these international names over, maybe early November before um, Boris pushes a button on a possible you know, Christmas lockdown. Um, which is all. Where's that come from? No, don't say that. What's going on? <laughs> no, 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 boy. It's always, it's always, it's always been rumored in in papers and that that they might have a right two week lockdown at Christmas. You know, they always put them things out in the papers to mm. test the waters of, or test the patience of people. But yeah. Yeah, because we have got this pathway, haven't we, now from the US to the UK, Benno, and so it will be interesting to see if we do get more sort of like US names pop up, and it does seem like Andy's right there that October seems, October, November seems to be the window when, uh, you know, people from the US are going to come over here. Yeah, it's weird because, like, I, I know uh, people who are wanting to go over to, like, AEW shows and we can't, we still can't go the other way. Um, so that's a bit weird um, that, that it's not going both ways. But, yeah, it would make sense, really. Um, and it would make sense probably with the way the state of Brit Res, as, you know, we've all heard Quilden talk about before, you probably want people to come over and do a month. You probably want people to come over and base themselves here for a little while. And, yeah, the, the likes of Aggression are perfect perfect types of uh, of people to do that you know i would love to see some lower card aw wrestlers who aren't getting used other than dark or dark elevation come over here for a for a month mm-hmm. or two and um, we all know what you know that did for you know the the experience and the career of people like like daniel bryan uh, brian danielson back in the day um so yeah I, th- I, th- I think you know as things open up a little bit more we might see a bit more of that but it, it might be yeah that where it's you know a couple of months at a time rather than you know people flying over for for one big shot and going back 
back, I think, with you know the, the quarantine periods and all of the all of the other um I's you've got a dot and T's you've got to cross. Um I think that's the more realistic um solution going forward. But it could make for yeah, for you know, an interesting little period where you get like a you know aggression coming over and doing a month worth of storylines in a in a rev pro, for example, or you know, somebody else like that, you know, like a Daniel Maccabee or you know, other people who become hot names, you know, Daniel Garcia, who's a hot name on the Indies right now in the US. I think someone like him coming over here for a for a month or two at a time i think that that could definitely be rewarding for uh, for both sides yeah it would be great like you know there with sort of like aw people that aren't um you know they're looking for experience coming over from excursions and stuff so it's not just like the sort of like japanese wrestlers it would be interesting if we got sort of people like that as well but um i mean andy so red pro wasn't the sort of like only wrestling you've been to this month um, what other shows have you uh have you been heading out to yeah, so um been to Tidal, um, ran a double header at Batley, uh, which was at the uh, UKPW, um, oh, UKW Perform- Performance Centre. So basically it's uh, <laughs> like a Yorkshire WWE Performance Centre with like, uh, like big tellies in there, big 20-foot ring, probably one of the only ones in the UK. Mm. Uh Good, I'd say good double header of shows. There weren't so many there in the uh, afternoon show. Probably about twenty people. There were about fifty to sixty in the uh, evening show. I would say some of the highlights were um, Rio versus Chikara in the uh, second show. That it was like the first match on. Re- really good match. Chikara. Um, she sort of like stepped away from uh, wrestling, but yeah, you know, in a bit of a bit of a comeback now she, she really really good not mr step rio's um definitely someone who's um you she you can t- you can tell in her face that she's enjoying her work at the moment and she's getting many opportunities at like catch pro wrestling and tnt and also at tidal and there was a really really good open um open title match um a triple threat match joe wade uh, Callum Newman once again and uh, Jack Bandicoot proper all action just flying everywhere <laughs> so, some some people on like the front row getting taken out <laughs> uh, that were good they also had Reese and Rogan who were like, the, the very similar to uh, very similar style workers to uh, FTR proper old old fashioned brawlers uh, and yeah. they beat the Lion Kings for the uh, title tag titles and also, the Lion Kings uh, ended up splitting up. Uh, we've said, uh, what's it, Seb Strife turning on uh, his tag team partner, proper like Mark Henry stuff. He were doing like the retirement speech and he said, Oh, right, do any more with me, knee. And he ended up getting a standing ovation from everyone. So, and Serico was on the ring, on the ring, uh, ring walk area saying bye to the crowd. And here comes Seb with a steel chair, wax him, and then just batters him in the ring um and also he's, he's then, quite he's been quite a, a sort of like tidal mainstay hasn't he sub strife yeah oh god he's he's been he's been there since the start he, he mentioned mm. an old tag team he was in uh ward 13 where i remember the um their manager like um she was like a female zombie patient i remember her walking Walking around the ring once with like this uh, lipstick and started drawing a dick on my face. Oh, lovely! <laughs> <laughs> so I ended, ended, ended up having go, having to go to the toilet to wash it off. Um, 
also like the the main event was Will Cruz against H C Drake, which was like Will Cruz just battering H C Drake for about ten minutes. Very dominant win, and like I said earlier, he's facing Luke Jacobs at the Leeds Museum show. Um, the other show I went to was uh, TNT's um, Ignition show. Uh, all eyes on me, um, where for the first time in seven years, I got to see MVK Valkavius. Uh, oh, wow, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? got to remember him from sort of like the early Southside shows and stuff. He was everywhere yeah. at one point, wasn't he? PCW. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he look, looks in great, I would say he looks in really great shape. He he ended up losing to uh, Scott Olbermann, who's like one of the like the main stars of the Ignition shows, but it was, it was one of them. He got his eight back by hitting about 16 manoeuvres on Scott Olbermann. He just, like, <laughs> <laughs> just battered him. Um, there's also that there's, well, Scott, speaking of Scott Olbermann, he like cashed in on uh, Cameron Solis uh, for the like TNT ignition title. Um, Solis beat Sonna Durson for it, and then like Olbermann had a briefcase and ended up winning the belt. What one one thing I will say for the um, ignition shows is like there are storylines running from show to show, and they do a good job of uh, building up stuff, especially like video packages. They mm. like a video package for um, Cameron Solis before his main his main event against Sonny Durson, and it it just got you invested in in the match. And I, I do feel a lot of smaller promotions need to look at doing that doing small yeah. packages and it probably sell a couple of extra tickets here and there. And with, with TNT, like they made a point at half time saying tickets are on sale at the merch desk, 10, 10 quid. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay the booking fee. So just getting you, you know, interested. You, you want to come to the next show, but I was, I was speaking with the, um, the promoter. He, he, he tapped me on my shoulder. Like you rather, oh, no. don't you? Um, <laughs> I've had and, that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he were mentioning and possibly doing um, double shows. So, like, basically doing the ignition show in the afternoon and mm. doing the, you know, the main shows in the evening. But possibly, if, like, they've just got to use one venue, just have the cost for the whole day and make it a bit more, um, a bit more cheaper. But, yeah, no, I, th- I thought they drew, did... They did draw well for the, uh, the the Sunday afternoon show, and yeah, I, I would definitely say go along to go along to both TNT's um, ignition shows and also well, Tidal as ever. Um, just a big big supporter of theirs. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's good with those Tidal shows, and it you always get sort of like a flavour of sort of like the up and coming people on Brit Rest shows. I mean, Will Cruz is like is um the few times I've seen him, he's been absolutely fantastic. So yeah, he's definitely um a name to watch out for but yeah so um i mean before we head out of here obviously you know the big plug from this side of the show is obviously um you know great to have andy on board and also the um big um, world transfer window that's going to be coming on the uh 30th of september and uh benno what's happening over at uh, grapple towers this month you had a cracking that um cm punk sort of like summer of punk was um obviously you know great timing wise with punk coming back but also a brilliant show obviously you know um, you know, have you heavily experienced with watching that sort at the time, and it was great hearing you, JP, and Gareth go through that whole sort of time period of Ring of Honor and such a uh, a great trip down memory lane. 
Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm always up for uh, telling war stories of uh, of Ring of Honor in the mid 2000s. So yeah, talking the uh, the original Summer of Punk is one of my favorite shows we've ever done. Um, so yeah, that's on a uh, that's on our Patreon feed. Uh, we did our, our full uh, all out uh, review um, on Monday night as well, so you can get a, a full thoughts on on that pay per view there. And yeah, for something post wrestling adjacent, I'm uh, putting a new show out uh, first for patrons, but there will be a, a free version on the Patreon feed uh, called uh, Ben over versus where i'm going to be talking to a to different podcasters and i'm definitely planning on getting a you two on at different times just have a nice uh, relaxed conversation about uh wrestling podcasting and, and otherwise podcasting will be non-wrestling people too but um yeah as a the, the first episode has got one wh park yes me and wh will be going head to head on all subjects fast and furious uh Ricky Shane Page, my alleged GCW fandom, all of that stuff. <laughs> me and, uh, me I was going to say you're going to be uh, reviewing um, a deathmatch show because we all know WH loves those. Well, apparently I love him, so that, that, that's a, that's the, <laughs> a conversation we're going to be we're going to be having. I missed him when he was on on Spotlight, and I've uh, been called a coward ever since. So uh, I'll be glad to uh, to sit down with WH. We'll be recording that this week. It'll be uh, available early on uh, the Patreon feed, uh, Patreon.com/slash/grapple. But yeah, we'll uh, be putting that on the uh, the free feed for people in a in a couple of weeks as well. So look forward to that. And what about you, Andy? As far as sort of like graps and claps has uh, gone this past month? Yeah. So. Um... Obviously, we've got the reviews from our time in Sheffield and also trips to Tidal at Batley. And coming up uh, this month, got a trip to Future Shock at Stockport, Catch Pro Wrestling in Manchester, also the uh, TNT and Tidal shows at the end of the month. And also uh, dipping back into 2001 uh, for uh, SummerSlam 2001. Um, just uh, looking... Looking back at um, what was going on then, very, very fun time. And um, as, well, as well, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter at Oggy Part 3 and also go to the Linktree um, link on, on that page where you can get your Rev Pro tickets, your hotels, your trains, your beer, and anything else. Give us your money. <laughs> what a link i know yeah if you want if you want to go to a brit rest show all the links are on there yeah everything's on there your train line your hotels your tickets i booked my uh red pro tickets through that uh link you've got on there and i've also booked um i'm going to be go- booking um, a couple of gigs that are available through gigantic so um yeah you'll be you can thank me for that 30p that you get on the um, from uh, gigantic and uh of course all rosely postwrestling.com obviously all the usual stuff from uh you know, John Way and everyone else. And uh, me and Ben will be back uh, next month. Me and Andrew will be back uh, at the end of this month. And then obviously the bigger uh, world transfer show that we've got coming. So uh, plenty to look forward to. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening and we'll catch you later.